Hey guys, welcome to another night here at Two Rivers Church. My name is Eli. I'm the high school ministry director here. Um, if you're new here, welcome. Um, and for those that have been with us for some time already, welcome back as well. It is an exciting night because tonight we get to do part two of Heroes of Faith. So in this message series, we're looking at a couple of people. Last week, we looked at Deborah and Barack, but mainly Deborah, that he brought the house down with her message, um, just speaking about her life. And today we get to talk about Paul. So you guys know Paul. You guys know Apostle Paul. You guys the, the guy who wrote many of the books in the New Testament. But today we're going to look at a little bit of his life but right before he actually became Paul. Because before he became Paul, his name was Saul. So as we look into this story, I want you guys to lean in, to focus in, and please try to minimize the chatter. Because, um, you know, there are people here that want to lean into the presence of God. So don't, let's not ruin that for the person next to you. You got that, guys? Cool? Awesome. All right. So let's just, um, let me say a quick prayer and then we'll get into it. Father God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to just be here to be able to worship in your presence. And Father, I pray that this message may just uh, allow us to respond, Lord, respond in whatever way that the Holy Spirit is leading us. We thank you, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So as I was um, researching and preparing for this message, two words came to my mind, scandal and grace, especially when it came to Paul. See, the thing with Paul is he wasn't exactly the person that everybody wanted to be around uh, with. He wasn't the type of person that people wanted to be, hey, let me just be around you. You're such a cool guy. In fact, during that time, many Christians was running in the opposite direction of whatever, wherever um, Paul was at the time. So, but before we look at exactly what Paul was doing and why people would react such a way, let's look at the definitions of what is a scandal. So a scandal is an action or event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing public outrage. Outrage. And grace, grace, by a biblical definition, is grace is God choosing to bless us rather than to curse us as our sin deserves. So when we look at Paul, and I'm going to refer to him as Paul or Saul, because it's really the same person. I'm not talking about two different people here. He, before he started following Jesus Christ, he persecuted the kingdom of God. In fact, he was known for carrying out um, the Pharisees, the Jewish law authority at the time, he was going place to place wherever the Christians were gathering. The Christians at the time, they were just known as the people that followed the way. So if you know this is the way, well, they were the way. They were the original way. And so he would find these people and go into these places of worship. And then I'll check out this imagery. He would drag out women and men and put them in prison. And then he actually had all the permission to be able to do that. So this is why Paul was not really highly liked in the Christian community. Because why? Because if Paul came across your path, it could mean a death sentence for you. So you could only imagine when you hear that, wait, Saul, now Paul, is, a, is following the way? He's following the same Jesus Christ as we are? No, I can't be. So we're here looking at a moment here. So right before we get to the moment where he is transformed. What happened was he was literally knocked off his high horse. So I really always wonder if, like, the whole phrase, like, hey, why don't you just get, you know, get off your high horse? I wonder if that's where this phrase came from. Because Paul, at the time, he was on this horse. He was blinded by a light. And then he heard the words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, he, and Saul replied, who are you, Lord? Jesus answered directly and clearly. He said, I am Jesus 
the one whom you are persecuting. Jesus called out Paul right then and there, saying, like, the people that you are persecuting, the, the people that are following the way, those are my people. And since you are persecuting them, you're also persecuting me. And at the time, Jesus had already died on the cross, resurrected, and went up to heaven, uh, went into heaven in, in his physical body. And the disciples were charged with the, with the commission of making disciples of all nations and spreading the way. And then, as you know, Paul is going left and right, killing Christians, judging them, putting them in prisons. It's not a pretty sight to see. So for people to find out that Paul was the one that had an encounter with Christ, especially this person, Ananias. So we're talking about heroes of faith. I want, I want to throw an, an Ananias. Sorry, Ananias is actually in, in, in uh, Spanish or in Portuguese, so I was corrected by that uh, the other day. So Ananias <laughs> um, was the one person who was basically charged with by God saying, like, hey, I need you to go to Paul because he is now basically following the way. So we're going to read here the moment that Ananias um, had gotten instructions from God in, about this, what was happening in Paul's life. So in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 15, it says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street, you know, pretty specific, the straight street, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Remember, Saul and Paul, same person. For he is praying. And in the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to come to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So you could only imagine, we're going to take a really quick pause here from Paul. You can only imagine Ananias' reaction to this. This was a scandal. He's like, wait, no, no, hold on. It cannot be that easy. You have no idea the type of stuff that I did to, to follow you, God. You have, I've, been, I've been sleeping on camel's backs and on the floor. And this guy's growing up in this nice, cushy Jewish home and got a great education. And then out of nowhere, you just knock him off his horse and suddenly he becomes a, a follow, one of our fo- the followers of the way. Yes, Ananias, that's, that's, that this is what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? And not only that, I'm pretty sure, let's be real, Ananias was afraid for his own life. You know, he was, he, you're literally walking up to the guy who you probably have already seen a couple of your friends being dragged out of their house because of his authority. So this is a very intense moment in Ananias' life to, to, to really test his faith as God is giving him instructions. So let's, that was just a snippet on Ananias right there. Let's go back to Paul. We're seeing here how much Paul is transformed after his encounter with Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, one of the books that, that Paul has, has written out, he starts with this phrase. Let's read it real, together. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Man, for a person who, did, who wrecked havoc against you know, God's people, for him to start out such a statement, afterwards of his experience it's a huge transformation but that transformation we can see the 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 dedication not only dedication but how has that 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 
transformation has come about in his life just by dissecting that one verse. And that's what we're actually going to be doing tonight. So we're going to take a look at the word servant, first of all, in that verse. So the word servant here, it's a really cool fact for all you Bible nerds uh, out there. The word servant here used was one where the servant was basically once a slave, but then chooses to stay to serve the master. In fact, it was biblical law in the Old Testament that if the slave already has served his time with his master, but then basically says, like, hey, I don't want to leave. Like, you know, he, I, he just basically said, I don't want to leave. And so then they, the, the master would then have to punch their ear in, uh, in the ear in the mark and basically to let people know, like, this man is no longer a slave where he is bound, but rather he's choosing to stay and serve in my household. So that's the definition of the word servant. So when Paul says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, he's basically telling the world, I am choosing to serve the Christ Jesus. And this is a very important statement, guys. Why? Because you guys, I explained his upbringing, very formal, very educational, grew up in a very high status type of lifestyle. So can you imagine on the other side of things in Paul's family, in Paul's community, in, in Paul's friends of the, of, of the Jewish community, and then just seeing his transformation take place, you probably think, like, do you think he's, like, under pressure or he's being blinked twice if you need trouble? If you're in trouble, Paul, like, I don't know. Like, that's how maybe he's, he's being kidnapped by the people of the way. They couldn't, I couldn't imagine the amount of um, accusations and, and gossip that was going on with Paul's transformation. So he made it very clear, like, no, I am doing this out of my own will. So then let's look at the word called. He says, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Now here, this is an invite. He says he's basically, he's answering a call. But he's not being arrogant or proud in any way. But it's in a way through humility. I mean, enough said. You were knocked off your horse, dude. Like the God of all creation, you, you better humble yourself because you, if, 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 if Jesus himself can knock you off of a horse with a blinding light, can you imagine what else he can do if you don't get your life straight, you know? So it wasn't in an arrogant pride way, but he was humbled, you know, and he was not only that, but he was with humility answered that call to serve God. And now let's take a look at the word here, set apart. You know, there had to be a difference. There had to be a, uh, an exterior showing of what's happening already inside him. You know, it was, not, it was not just him playing, going through the motions. It wasn't him trying to go incognito, like, yeah, I'm not really falling the way. I'm just trying to really figure out where y'all hanging out, and then I could just get in there and be like, bah, nah, nah, I'm, I'm still the same person. No, he was literally showing whatever was happening in his heart. It was showing in exterior. And, that, and by doing that, he had to set himself apart. That means he had to disconnect himself with a lot of people, disconnect him from, from a lot of traditions. And he realized that in that moment of setting apart his life, that the reason that he is being transformed was what was Jesus was doing inside his life. So he understood that whatever he was doing, it was coming out of a response. It was coming out of whatever Jesus Christ already did in his life. And now we're going to take a look here for the gospel of God part. He made it very clear. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. It's a sense of responsibility that exists in him. Trust me, there was already a sense of responsibility that exists in him in carrying out authority 
and harming people. And he, he, for him, if all he knew, he thought he was doing the right thing. So, but then it came a moment where he had an encounter with Christ Jesus, and then he's like, oh, my gosh, I've been wrong. Oh, my gosh, you're like, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. You are God. You know, you did do all the things that you did. And so that sense of responsibility was a response to whatever Christ was doing in his life. And let me tell you guys, God does not need us, but guess what? He wants us. And I need you guys to understand that statement because there's a lot of people that that makes fun of God. Like, oh, why does God need to create human beings out of dirt, whatever that means, and then make us worship? Like, God ain't making you worship him. He's not making you sit here in these chairs and making you walk through this. He's not making you stuff your face with pizza in here. I've seen you guys. Here in the South. No, you guys want to be here. Cool, because of the community. I'm so glad you guys are here, just so you guys know, for every single one of you that are here. But I want you guys to know that God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And that's, that really is a really great statement for you to, to have in your head. In, in Luke chapter 1940, this is Jesus replying back to, to, some, to, to some Jewish leaders um, where the, when the Jewish leaders were basically telling him, hey, you need to tell your disciples to stop. And then Jesus replies to them, like, listen, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And that was obviously a direct response to the Jewish leaders, but that could also be uh, um, um, no, noted as well, like in the sense of like, listen, God, if he wanted to, he can make all of his creation cry out his name. He, if, if he really wanted to, he can make all the ways that needs to happen. But he's created in us free will to be able to choose to love him, to choose to follow him, to choose this is the way that we're choosing to live this way. God wants us to, to be in a relationship, not being in a forced relationship with him. God has created this world in such a way that it's either God, may your will be done, or at the end of, the, at the end of your life, and you're going to see whatever may be the results of your choice, God, well, this is what you wanted. You wanted to live an eternity away separated from me. You didn't want me in her. Why would you want me um, for all eternity? I'm doing you a favor, basically, right? And then in transition, something that I realized, especially in this message series about heroes of faith, we're talking about heroes of faith that this thinks that in in such greatness and in, in crazy things. Now, mind you, Paul did some pretty incredible um, things that he did, made some incredible writings that to this day we use as a Christian lifestyle, as doctrine, as theology, as, as a basis of foundation of our Christian's faith. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, God created an exact mold for Paul to walk through to enter to, into, into Christ and uh, in the way of life with Christ. Now, Here's something I want to challenge you guys. That exact mold that God created for Paul, is that mold the same exactly for you? I could tell you that it's not. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And God will meet you exactly where you are. Everybody's life is different. You know, you're not going to, don't, don't go out there and buy yourself a pony expecting somebody to flash a light in your face now or something like that for you to have an encounter with Jesus or something like that. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. God is going to meet you exactly where you are, but you, all you have to really say is, like, God, here I am. Here, God, guide me. Jesus, I need you in my life. And then you're probably thinking, oh, but I can't preach about Christ the same way Paul did after his encounter. I, I challenge you. I bet you can, even if it's to one person. I, I challenge you. I bet you can bring one person to the lock and lock out. As much fun as we are going to have throughout the night, Lord, help us. But we are also going to be preaching about Jesus Christ. We're also going to be singing out his name. The main goal for anything that we do here at Two Rivers Church is to point people to Christ. And so in conclusion, with Paul's words in 1 Timothy 
chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, he says this. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. It's pretty self-explanatory, but this is written thousands of years ago, and this was a great example. This is history. This is not just some type of fairy tale. Let me tell you guys, in the exact words that Paul said, I can say the same too. Guys, this is a true and trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all mankind, and he's also a comforter. He's a counselor. He's a healer. He'll meet you exactly where you are with your anxiety, with your depression, with whatever relationship issues that you're going through. But not only that, he is also the one that gives you eternal life. And I, can't, I, can, I cannot guarantee you they're going to have an easy life here on earth, but I can tell you you're going to have a peaceful one. I'm not, I can't guarantee you that you're going to have everything so easy, but I can guarantee you that Jesus is going to see you through in every single moment of it. And that is the promise that Jesus Christ has given to us. Paul didn't, Paul didn't live out an easy life. If you read his, his story, it's a crazy one. He, this dude was abandoned on the island, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, like, his story is crazy, yet not once did he, he say that he would reject God. I'm pretty sure he had rejected long enough, and once he got the taste of God, he's like, man, this is, I've been, I've been missing out. So I implore you guys, as we go through these series of, 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 of heroes of faith, it's not to, to uplift these people, but rather to show them that they were just normal people like you and I. You are a hero of faith. You know you could be a hero of faith in somebody's life? That you know that you're the, probably the only Bible that somebody actually sees at, in school down the street? I know that we can't live a perfect life. I know that sometimes we have our moments. But that's, when Christ, that's what Christ is all about. He called us to live in perfect peace, not a perfect life. Amen? All right, so let's pray. And we're going to break out into groups in a couple of minutes. Um, I encourage you in your small groups to go through the questions or ask some questions. Maybe you're curious about something else, but have a healthy conversations about a Christian lifestyle. This is the opportunity, this is the time carved out for you to ask those questions, for you to, to not be afraid. You know, this is a, a safe place where we can share our experiences and then we can meet you guys where we're at. You know, me or any of the small groups leaders, we don't live a perfect life, but we're just trying to go alongside you and make sure that we're, head, we're all heading towards the right direction, towards Jesus. So let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this night. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that in the moment of small group, that people encounter, continue encountering God and continue wanting to be curious to know you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray of any of this type of distractions inside their minds so that you may remove it so that they can focus on you, God. I pray for the lock-in, lock-out event that's about to happen on Friday. I pray that you may continue bringing in the people that needs to hear your word. And I implore that you may pour, pour in your Holy Spirit and people in this very room right now. And you can bring to them, to somebody in their minds right now, that they should speak about you to them, Lord. Not in a weird way, Lord, but in a way where like, hey, this, this is who I follow. This is who's guiding me in my life. Who's guiding in yours? And Jesus, we thank you for that opportunity to do so. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.